listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again is the one and only Mr. Kevin Dershow. How are you, buddy? I'm well. How are you? I, you know, I'm here. So <laughs> it's a bit well, of a... for this, yes. I mean, in general. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it's we're a bit healthy. Of a mix. We're... Yeah, us as people I mean. are good. That's what I mean. We're happy, healthy, and alive. Well, that, yeah, that's, um, the way I, that's the way I always take the how are you. Like, that's fair. Yes, I'm well. I, you know, my week has been normal. And now the team. Yeah, and now we get into this so, stuff that we really want that everybody really wants to hear about. Before we dive into the Philadelphia Flyers this week, I'm just going to remind you: subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast, follow Kevin at um, Kevin underscore Durso, find us on SportsTalkPhilly.com. Anyway, um, where do you want to start? Let's start with how they started the week. Um, okay, fair enough. So we start here. The, the losing streak snaps at ten. Okay. The Philadelphia Flyers get a victory over mm-hmm. the New York Islanders on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. They played a decent game. Well, and this is what I tried to kind of foreshadow a little bit when we did last week's show, because as much as I kept coming into it going, you know, help me find the win in the next several. Yeah. The two that I pointed out was the Islanders or Washington, because they seemed to be the two most vulnerable teams of the group. That is true. You know, and as we get as we move forward to the rest of the week, which we'll get into when you're playing the likes of Tampa Bay, which is still Tampa Bay. New Jersey is obviously on a different level this year. Colorado is going to come in as defending Stanley Cup champions. You know, there's an expectation that's different. Washington's not playing well at the moment, not near as well as they typically do. They have more. Obviously, they have more skill than the Flyers do. That's that's obvious, but they're not the powerhouse that they once were at this point. Like now they're a borderline playoff team. Right. And the Islanders for a good start kind of let the Flyers hang in there for during number 10 for two periods. And then kind of, I felt the same way, you know, when we get into the devil's game from Saturday night, I felt the same way. It's like for two periods, you're not playing your game. No, like you're just letting this team hang around. And it's almost like you anticipated a night off kind of thing to an extent. I mean, Look, you're not giving up a lot either. Like, right? You got like that was a, it was it, it was a two two game against the Islanders after two periods. It was one one game after two periods against the Devils. You're like, it, they're hanging in there, but it's sure. not like they're blowing any team out or anything like that, right? Like, and then in the third period, the better team realizes that they're the better team, right? Step, well, and, steps on the gas and the game ends. Well, and that was and that's what I think the difference was in this in this particular game against the Islanders that for a change, it wasn't wait until the third period for something to happen. They right, had the lead push immediately, through, but they had the lead halfway through the first period. Yep. They re- really, I mean, the whole thing about that game was you set the tone right away with the two fights in eight seconds yep. separated by one second deal. Which, yeah. Which you know, let's talk about that for a second. Well, first of all, okay, listen, the first part of it, I don't, I don't understand the point of the second one per se. The first one you knew was, you knew it was coming because yeah. of everything from Saturday, yep. there was going to be carryover and, it's not too often anymore. I mean, it's, I think it's happened a little more frequently in the last two or three years, but it's not too often anymore that you get teams that play each other back to back and home and right. homes like a shortened playoff series. Right. So, and I think a lot of that has to do with the year that they played where well, it was, you play the same five teams over and over again. Well, the NHL has confirmed that. that they liked that and they're going to do more home and home I mean, series and more back to backs and more like and, three and five type of th- things, which makes Partial sense, and I yeah. say partial sense in the, for this reason. If if you like that concept, 
and you like the idea that oh, we could have these two teams play back to back, home and homes, keep doing this, create the create the do rivalry. Not, do you not like it? No, it's not that I don't like it. They play the Penguins three times this year. Yeah, like you can't really exactly have a home and home and say you play each other three times in a year. This works when you play five times a year. That's they've got to get back to the divisional teams play more often and. You know, as far as I'm concerned, take one game away from every non-divisional conference opponent and say, you. So you play Boston twice, you play Buffalo twice, and give I the agree. divisional games back because you should not have one like the game. I think it's the game that just happened too on Black Friday. That should not be your only home game against the Pittsburgh Penguins in a year. It just shouldn't be. That's fair. Like I shouldn't have to go down and watch one home game between the Flyers and Penguins. And then also have to watch one home game between the Flyers and the Anaheim Ducks or something. Right. Like, and that makes no sense. And I don't necessarily know if we tune the numbers all the way back to where they're playing seven or eight times a year. No, nah, I don't think you go that far. I think you got to five or six would be nice. I think because I think it would add up. I think it would equate to five if you kept taking away that one extra game. Right. Like and I get it. You're in a, You're in a challenging spot now because you're trying to you're factoring in 82 games, 31 opponents. 16 of the opponents play in the other conference. So out of that, you have that that immediately adds up to 32 games to get every team on everybody's home ice. And once. for the record, I do love that concept, and I do not think. Well, yeah, because I think all, I to jeopardize that. Well, because I think the, the problem you run in that case is, and I'll use Edmonton as an example because it's the easiest one I can pull. Do you want to be able to go down and see Connor McDavid once a year in Philadelphia, or do you want to see him come through once every four because I, you only play them once a year? It's every other time. So I think it's incredibly can... important for the growth of the league that every star team or chance, every team every is city. in every yeah. arena. Yeah. yeah. That every star player out there gets a chance to play in every city. Exactly. Yeah. I So I agree with that. I think the it's area incredibly where important. But we're also losing the, like, and maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm grasping at straws with that a little bit. But I think we're losing the natural rivalries because it feels like the only way you're going to ever get that is with the seven-game playoff series. Well, so there's eight teams in your division, so that's 24. So 24 seven non-divisional. Opponents. Well, 24 non-divisional teams. Right, so that should equate to forty-eight. So that's games. forty-eight games. So if the so then other... you divide the rest up among, you know, uh, exactly, you divide the rest up among the other seven. Eighty-two so, minus forty-eight is thirty-four. So divide thirty-four games by seven opponents. It's four that's, to five. It's four to five. So one team gets four. Everyone else gets five. That's pretty, pretty close. That's pretty close, so, man. But see what you just did though. You doubled your home games. Yep. So two games against Pittsburgh. Two against the Rangers. Two against. Washington, two against the Devils, two against, you know, and that's the way you do it. And I know it's not, you know, like, and then um, you get, and then you get to do stuff on the schedule where you get to do home. One year it's home and homes. And then the next year you play two in Pittsburgh, two in Philly. Then the next year, like you get to do some really fun stuff with the schedule and you can separate them. I'm not talking about at the same time, but you know, uh, with obvious, with obvious attention to building availability, because that's what goes into the schedule. I think that what you should honestly do is guarantee if you can play four games within a division every year, if you structured it that way, you should guarantee one home and home against every divisional opponent. Maybe. You're going to play you're going to play every year one home and home against every divisional opponent and the other two will be scattered based on availability. OK, but what if what if you're playing four games and you play two in one city Early in the season, and then two in the other city late in the I, season. I see where you're going with it. I would do it the yeah, other that, way around. Okay. I would split the cities and make it like it, like like I said, make it a mini playoff series with travel, with everything. And honestly, and, if that's your schedule, them, right, right? And put no, and put two together, so you create that little animosity back and forth. 
and then put the other two in the right spots. Like, like to be honest, I wouldn't be putting home and homes like that in April, but I'd make sure that I had a couple of divisional opponents minimum, a couple minimum in April. I'm already thinking of fun concepts. If you do the home and home every year, you'll develop a rivalry like college football where you win a small trophy based on the aggregate score of those two games. But wouldn't yeah? But Come wouldn't on, how much fun does that sound? Like, but like this is this, but this is the stuff that the NHL needs, right? Like something that generates a little bit more of a buzz. Like you know, I'm, and I'm not trying to sit here and say this is the answer to doing this per se, but like you don't like. No, you know, we're talking about a fun idea. We're not. No, 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 no. But like, what I'm getting at is, like, you just said, okay, do a home and home, and the winner of the home and home based on the aggregate score gets a trophy, right? Right. Like between the rivals, why not? Like, give out a trophy for the winter classic every year. Give out Pretty a trophy cool. for the Thanksgiving show. Yeah, but then, but then the Chicago Blackhawks will just win them all, and you know. Well, no, hmm. then then pick other teams to be in it. Well, they can't do that now, can they? They can. They won't. <laughs> That's the difference. All right. Anyway, back to the Flyers. Rewinding right. all the way back to the Philadelphia all right, so, Flyers. Because this had to do with the Islanders, right? So, and right. the Islanders were, but the idea that the home and home created a situation with the fights at the beginning. And you it was knew the first, yeah. You, yeah, you knew the first one was coming. To be honest, I kind of knew the second one was coming too. Because, at some point, for well, sure, Nick well, Deloria wasn't not fighting in that. Well, that's that no, game. that's not the reason. To be honest, because color me surprised on the Saturday night in Long Island when Ross Johnston's not in the lineup against the Flyers, because I feel like he's almost always thrown in for that purpose, especially Sorry. when you know Nick Deloria well, and Zach he might, he, are... he might have had a super important AHL game to play. No, no, no. He was up. He was a scratch. I'm so No, no, because I'm I just going off of the things. So, when yeah, but like that shocks me when he's on the active roster and scratched for a game against the Flyers for that purpose, especially when Nick Deloria and Zach McEwen and, and the like are on the other side. Like, it kind of just screams, put the, put the tough guy in. For right. this one, at least. It, right. On. Like the, the Philadelphia Flyers are the team that you put the tough guy in for. Like if you if you are especially now. Right. If you have the guy on your roster. He's why isn't he in the lineup? Well, like and I say especially now, because to an extent, like last year, I could understand it. They didn't exactly have one of these guys. It was it was McEwen or bust. And for the record, I'm not happy about that that's not something i'm bragging about this isn't a oh the broad street but no they're trash and all they do is hit people like i'm not (laughs) they're a garbage right they're a garbage hitting team like they're not good right now the okay so let's move beyond the first eight seconds right because because here's the thing and and look we can discuss this further if it comes back around to this i'm not going to make this a definitive point of every argument that we make but it does exactly what it's intended to do, right? You're, you're yep. eight seconds into the game, and the building is going nuts because two guys, four guys fought in the first eight yep. seconds. It, it creates an atmosphere. And right or wrong, whether it should happen or not, whether it's phased out of the game more or not, it doesn't make a difference. It's still something that people get up for because and it's, an, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's a show within the show. I agree. Like it, 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 and it very much is sideshow activity to an extent. But what you know, to an ex- to also an extent, what else are they supposed to do to generate right. a buzz? And also, those four players—Matt Martin, Zach McEwen, Nick Delorier, and Ralph Johnston—right? Let's not color the Islanders as saints here either. Right. Those four players specifically—that's why they're in the lineup. Right. I mean, like right. Exactly. None, of are, I, none of them are there to be power play snipers. Like they are all there. Right. Which is to why fight I, ten I, seconds into the game to get a crowd going. Well, and, and let's be real, okay. It, nothing happens like that in the first 10 seconds of a game 
without a conversation during warmups, and they all had conversations. Oh, and see it. they showed it on the broadcast. Right. So um, you knew it was coming. It was not a, a surprise. The only thing that was surprising was the second one one second after the first. I, you kind of thought you would let it simmer a little bit more, and instead it was, nope, we're going right for it. Like, here's here's how premeditated the first one was. The first oh, I know. One was, no, the first one was, was the Zach McEwen-Matt Martin one. Right. Matt Martin wasn't even in the starting lineup. McEwen was. Right. Now, McEwen was in the starting lineup not because he's the tough guy. He was in the starting lineup because he had to play so high up in the lineup that he was actually with legitimate players. Right. You know, other than, you know, like it, it, it was kind of the hybrid third, fourth line jumps to the second kind of deal because they were without tons of players at that point. Oh, I mean, walking they, they were, I mean, at that point in time, you added Tony D'Angelo to the injured list for that particular game. I think did they I, they still didn't get anybody back for that one either or maybe they did lawton was back and so lawton was back connecting wasn't yet so scott lawton was the one guy who came back in i don't know how the thinnest roster is the one that won the game but here we are well we'll get to that because I, right. I i have two theories behind that to begin with but but but, but he wasn't on the, matt martin wasn't on the ice they made a change immediately off the oh, face yeah. of he hopped on and it's let's go okay the, the, at least the next one was off the face-off. Delorier's lined up with Johnston, and you're like, okay, you're talking right as the puck drops. That's how that happens one second in. So I know I know why the rule exists. Mm-hmm. I do. I know why they changed it. It's for okay. safety. It makes sense. Right. I wish the ref could wave off certain guys and tell them they're allowed to take their helmets off. Like when they're circling, they, oh, need, okay. to be, they need to be able to go, hey, hey, hey. You guys are both experienced adult fighters. Like you both know what you're doing here, right? You can take the buckets off, and I know why they don't. And I'm and they're right. never going to. And I, they're never ever ever going to. And right? I if nothing, that. if nothing else, they continue to implement more with, when it, it comes to that. Right? Like, when the helmet like, comes just, off, they jump in faster. Well, I, well yeah. no, 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 not just with that, but in, like I'm talking in the general of the game, like like the I know with the rule with if you lose your helmet, you got to get off the ice or put it back on. They yep. um they just instituted something I saw the other week that. Any player, any player entering the league after 1920, so anybody who's already in and anybody who's been in for a couple of years now, right. will have to, to wear, wear helmets during warm-ups. Correct. Yep. And that's, again, it's a protection type thing. So I'm not, you, you eventually, like, you get Travis it. Travis Konechny breathing a massive sigh of relief right now, by the way. Uh, there's a handful of them. I, I believe that... You know, I, I, I think Ivan Provorov's done it a little bit lately. Scott Lawton definitely does. Every um, beauty in the league. Well, and apparently Scott Lawton, too. Um, <laughs> listen, I love Scott, but he would tell you. Come on now. Anywho. <laughs> um, so following up on the fights, um, you get to the point where, like, this is how quickly, I mean, how quickly it looked like this game was going to unravel because they took two more penalties in almost immediately after. Yep. Like, less than three minutes into the game, you've got, you're down two men. It's a five on three for long enough of a period of time. A that, scary long time. Yeah. Right. It was, it was probably about a minute 23, I want to say, or something like that. Somewhere in that and, neighborhood, yeah. And it didn't take long. Noah Dobson scored on a one-timer. Yep. Pretty standard stuff and they get the lead one nothing and they still have power play time and you're right. and, and you're basically like where i'm sitting for that one you're going okay we're off and running here we go again and really where the game does take a turn and the flyers acknowledged it after the game and i think that you saw it in the game they get a shorthanded goal yep travis sandheim scores a shorthanded goal and coming up a rush pretty and, 
and finishes the play. They actually waved it off at the very beginning for a yep. second because it, I believe the thought was that the Islanders had possession. There was a penalty coming up because you'll see, I want to say it was Lucas Sedlak who was leading the, the rush and got hooked. And it was, okay, there's the penalty. They had something coming up. But they score there, and then they scored again off the faceoff, and that was Kevin Hayes scoring a goal just shy of halfway through the first period. And for the rest of the game, it was like it was just a chess match for most yep. of it. I mean, it was not a very high volume shooting second period. The third period, they really locked it down. They outshot the Islanders twelve to seven. Like really good, complete game. Probably like truthfully, I think they were right when they said it. The most complete game they've played all year, probably outside of the opener. Like that's fair. Like, I don't really recall many other games that you can sit there and say it was complete. Carter Hart didn't exactly stand on his head in this one. I mean, he made some really good saves, but right. he wasn't. He, he didn't, didn't have make, to. He didn't make 50. No, but he, he made 23. He made 23 on yeah. 24. Reasonable night at the office. Yep. Not getting pressured a ton. Not giving up a ton off the rush. Really structured play. It all seemed to work out really well. Yeah, I have no idea how it happened. But like I said, the thinnest roster they've iced in. A long Pretty time. close, yeah. I mean, I think I would say that probably the real, like the real thinnest, was the day was the game before because I think okay at that give well, it depends on what you want to consider the swap of D'Angelo coming out and Lawton going back in from an injury standpoint does because that's about the only change that was different between the two. Well, like the rest I, of the lineup I, was what it was. I will say, and we talked about this a little bit during the game. Um, mm -hmm. Ivan Provorov on the power play in. Uh, on the power play one, looked decent. I think he carried the puck well. I think the the penalty kill unit, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. kind of did sag off a little bit because they're not quite as expecting shot quite as much. Um, But I did want to mention that the power play did look decent in that game with Ivan Provorov running it. Sure. I mean, well, and they didn't have a lot of opportunities there because right. the penalties really only evened out later. So you had... I mean, the... The opportunity was there, too, because I believe it was with about five minutes left that the Islanders got a power play in the third period. And you're like, OK, here it comes, you know, oh, but yeah. they kill that off, too. And then the, the push at the end, they didn't really they didn't really get into the zone that that much to be able to no. do something so that this way the Flyers could get the puck and find a way to ice the game with the empty netter. Kevin Hayes again. And yep. OK, that once the empty netter is scored and you're you know, where you are in the game, because by that point it was under a minute to go. You're like, okay, it, it is over. The streak right. is over. You know, because we, we started to question it. We were looking at, long, like, we were looking at some of the longest ones oh, yeah. post-lockout because you're like, is it going to get here? And truth be told, we're going to shift as we shift to the rest of the week and we get yeah. to this part of it where, yes, like, it picked back up because when they played Tampa, when they played New Jersey, Tampa just outmatched them. I mean, that entire second period was in the, in the flyer zone. You know, it's... Right. The farthest away from my vantage point. So I literally, for people out there who want to get an idea of what I, the way I looked during the second period, I watched the game like this. Because the all, the entire duration of play was down that end of the ice. It barely came in front of my eyes. Right. But, but uh, pretty first of all, within that game, and, and this has nothing to do with the Flyers, but I just want to call it out for the sake of calling it out. Pretty substantial moment NHL-wide in that game because – Steven Stamkos gets his 1,000th career point. Yeah, Tampa – yeah, congratulations to Steven Stamkos. I'm a little disappointed it wasn't a goal just for kind of the number roundness of it all. Well, I think but you're disappointed. Was, I think you're disappointed not that it wasn't a goal, but it's 
it's not he didn't even get the primary, so it almost does you like you don't he doesn't make the direct play. If he makes no. a, like like if he makes a pass on a two on one and the guy scores and then you know it's like, hey, you set this guy up. Great job. No, I'm weird and it's I wish he had scored a goal because I wish he had four hundred and ninety five goals, five hundred and five assists. Oh, okay. Like I wish they were just nice round numbers. I got you. <laughs> um but yeah, that game just in general was a very good Tampa Bay team. Right. Using well, a really poor team as a punching bag. And, that was and, them having fun. Sure. And to, well, and to echo what you were saying about Stamkos, by the way, because yeah. yes, con- yes, congrats to him for yeah. a thousand, obviously. And to do it, first of all, in the number of games he's played because he's over oh, a point per game for his career. But he's also, a freak. But no, but given the injuries, I mean, there, I, I guarantee you at some point in time there was a thought he wouldn't get here because the injuries sometimes were so debilitating. Within the last two years. Right. Like, I I think that you had to, you know, you had to at least consider the thought that, like, listen, skill wise, of course, he had the potential to get to a thousand points. But but I guess you were just wondering at some point in time, would father time catch up to him Would the injuries catch up? He's not able to play. There were people after he played one shift in the Stanley Cup final. And that's about it. There were people that thought that was it. And he was done. Forever. No, he's he's still very much got it. He's yep. still a dynamic player. It was really interesting because that was about the only mention of anybody in that grouping of typical core guys for Tampa because the rest the rest of the goal scoring and the rest of the whole, you know, deal with that, you know, Nick Paul has two goals, Corey Perry's picking up multiple points. Uh, yeah. you know, Andre Vasilevsky's getting in it. Ian Cole had two points in the game. Like Just it's Tampa Bay doing Tampa Bay stuff to, to an extent because they're, and I say that because like, you're right. Based off of the last three years, of course, like this is what we're accustomed to. They're not, you know, and maybe the last couple of games make this a little bit different because they have picked up wins in the last two, obviously, but leading up to that point, they kind of weren't lighting the Eastern Conference on no. fire either, well, or, the, or the league standings on fire. Kevin, you own the NHL video games from time to time, right? Sure. You ever go into the play now mode or the quick play mode and play as an NHL team against an AHL team just to feel better about yourself? No, that's, to do that, you just turn the the, the uh, skill level down to like the easiest level so you okay. can run up the score 8 nothing. But sometimes, for me at least, right. It, that's what this game felt like. Tampa Bay bit, was playing yeah. the game on easy mode. It that was a very good team. Sure, they weren't playing at their top tier. Don't get me wrong. They, you know, they were still kind of warming up. They played that game like a beer league game. They really did. They were trying stuff. They were having fun. They cracked one in the in the locker room after the game. Convince me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see any evidence, but okay, because I do walk right by. The, we walk by the room as we go to the coach's press sure. conference, so I didn't see any evidence of that. But fair enough. Um, and what do you think about Saturday? The Saturday game against New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to down the effort that they gave or the way that they played because. You know, compared to what they had just done against Tampa Bay, this is let, let's be real for a second. Tampa Bay may be the team that's made the Stanley Cup final for the last three years in the Eastern Conference, but they the are not the better team right now. Right. They are not the class of the Eastern Conference at the moment because there are four teams with more points in the standings than they have right now. You know, Carolina's doing better. Toronto's doing better. Boston's doing better. And the Devils are doing better. And the Devils came in like I. I put Eastern Conference. I mean, let's be real. Eastern Conference leading is only half the story. They're the best team in the NHL this morning. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane to be where I mean, we're at. I mean, okay. 
Best, okay, best by depending on what you want to look at. They have the most points. They don't have the highest points percentage because Boston's played two fewer games. But both New Jersey and Boston have the same number of wins at this given moment, 20. They're the first two teams to 20 this year. Like, it's one of the two best teams in the league this year. So whether you want to look at the points percentage, you want to look at the points total, they're one of the top two. The Devils have five losses this year, and one of them is to the Flyers. And quite frankly, almost a second one. Like the, kind the Flyers of, yes, could but, have won that game last. Night. Yeah, but that you know what? For the good, even for you know, we sit there and we say they don't ask how they ask how many. Yeah, you know, when you're a good team, if you find a way to win, you find That's a fair. way to win. And you, if it wasn't your best night, but you got the two points anyway, nobody cares. You know, like I'm not saying I'm not like we we have to, we analyze the Flyers the way that we do because when it's bad and you don't oh, yeah, no, out of for, it or you win ugly it's like well you won ugly but you're not changing like good for jersey they got the two points right and it doesn't change what their record is to me the more astonishing thing that, than them losing a game to the Flyers is they lost the home like the home opener they lost the season opener to the Flyers they lost two nights later to Detroit yep and since then are 22 and 1 it's insane that is incredible in 22 games or 20. Yeah. 23, 23 games. games. Yeah. That's 23 crazy. to be 22 and one. 20 in wins, the two loss, one overtime loss. Wow. And with ev- like, let's be real for a second as we go, like as I go into the actual kind of details of the game itself, I'll say this. First of all, the first period classic flyers devils to an extent. And I say that meaning, the Flyers weren't exactly getting the greatest scoring chances themselves. It was a lot of dump and chase, go after it, try to find your way through the neutral zone kind of stuff. The Flyers were doing it right back to the Devils, though, because the neutral zone was non-existent for the Devils. They really didn't come through with any momentum at all. It felt like and a they, game out of 2002. Right, and they only took four shots. Yeah. So you're sitting there looking at that going, well, that's a pretty lopsided first period, at least from the shot totals. Oh, Jeez, yeah. You know, like, Fly- the Flyers, yeah. You know, and the thing, the thing about it is, like, the Flyers came out in the second period, and I believe at one point in time had the first five shots of the period, so it was seventeen to four. So they mentioned and the very the- first, and the very first shot the Devils get is off of a breakdown, and they score. You know, so which they, is the story of the Flyers. They mentioned on the broadcast that it had been sixteen minutes since the last Devils shot. Sure, which, which it's it's horrible for a goaltender because also, you don't want to sit there for that long. Ironically, I was flipping back and forth between the game and the UFC fights, okay. and. Uh, I turned on the game for the first time because I was getting done work. I turned mm-hmm. on the game for the first time about five seconds before the devil scored. Okay, which is right off the breakdown by um, like Ivan Provorov. L- Ivan Provorov had a really bad game. Let's, Literally, let's so that. it was a bit of a scrum around the crease, and then the puck eventually got poked in. I turned the game on, and they were the puck was already in the crease. They were already battling for it in the crease. That's how uh, bang it was, bang it was. No, it was. It wasn't exactly like that. Was it the not? goal? Wasn't no because this was the, this was a quick. Around the end boards, behind the oh, net. Oh, right, 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 right. Miles right, right, Wood right. was left alone and then got it in front, and that's where Zetterland was to score the goal. Right, so he, right, it was right. a quick, it was a really quick tic tac toe, but it was off of a mistake. Like, again, Provrov did not have a good game. He was pretty awful in this one. For, which no, pretty for, bad. For, for, no, but for your point about how good he looked on the power play, at, you know, trying to move the puck against the Islanders, and for as good of a structure game as he probably had that night. This was not one of the better games. Now they now, granted, I will give the Flyers this. This is six minutes into the second period, and you're thinking, okay, here comes the opportunity. You know, the Devils are in the lead. They answered quick on a power play. 
right. really quick. And so you got yourself back into one of these games. And given the way they were playing, you kind of, again, had that thought. It, it was very much the same thing as the Islanders game from a week earlier. Well, it's a tie game going to the third, and they're playing pretty well, maybe. Right, they got a you know, shot. Like, they're in it. Like, and, 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 and granted, I, I, I'll get into this more, I guess, as we go into the whole outlook on this week into the season kind of thing. But if you're looking around, if you're the person who's sitting here saying, look, losses help the cause, you were looking around at the rest of the scoreboard that night and saying, please don't let this be the night that you find a way because everybody else is doing things. Right. You know, you had gotten, you know, Anaheim had already played earlier in the day, got a point for going to a shootout. You had Chicago was winning a game. You had Ottawa and San Jose battling it out in, in what was at the time a close game. Right. It, it didn't it didn't turn out that way, but who cares? And you're sitting there going, okay, like this can like this is gonna help. These are teams behind you that could win games tonight, and you're possibly doing the same thing, but you but they weren't play like I guess when you look at it, like is Min, like Anaheim got a point against Minnesota. Has Minnesota been lighting the world on fire? No. Chicago beat the Rangers. The Rangers look lost right now. Yeah. So like let's put it this way. Unless they correct it within the next two weeks, are we going to be watching a Flyers-Rangers game in a couple weeks and saying the same thing where it's like, geez, you know, just like when Chicago played them, they they don't have it tonight. This team doesn't have it, and they're like they're making the Flyers look good. You know, teams have an uncanny way of snapping out of it against the Flyers. Well, there is one other factor that I will uh, t- tap into for that because it goes off of last night. Didn't realize that it was possible. Well, I'm sure it's always possible, but didn't realize or didn't expect, I guess, for this to be a de facto home game for the New Jersey Devils. Oh, you didn't? Come on. Not for the Devils. It typically really? isn't. Typically it isn't. I get they're better, but it typically isn't right. the case. When the, Rangers so, come to, no, when the Rangers come to town in two weeks, it's going to be a home game for the New York Rangers. Uh, sure. And that's – but the, okay. Here's the difference. There's not quite as many Devils fans. Sure. When That's why team, I didn't expect it. Well, right. When the team is bad, it's not it's worth really not. it's not worth spending the money to come out to go watch, you know, a team you don't like beat your favorite team on on the road, blah blah blah. But now that the Devils are good. And again, I'm not this isn't like a bandwagon thing. This isn't a, you know, good for you Devils fans, enjoy your time. But now that the team is good, you're going to get more Devils fans coming out of the woodwork. It is on a Saturday, so you're going to get more Devils fans willing to travel down. It's only, what, 90 minutes with traffic? You sure, know, it's I, not, you know. It was I, just a surprise. Like, I, I knew already coming in. Like, I don't think I expected it. Dry, like, as I drove down there, I wasn't expecting it. I got down oh. there, and I'm walking. No, I, I got down there, yeah. and I was walking in, and I'm like, okay, wow, there's actually a really decent amount of Devils jerseys walking in right now. And I, okay, I guess what I didn't expect was not for people to show up. But it was as vocal as I've ever heard a game against the Devils. Be. Sure, they have something to they have something to no, I know, but it, it, out about for the first time in just a decade. Didn't seem, it just didn't seem like the typical game where you would see that much of a crowd come in because it's never been that way. Right. Yeah, but as for the the Rangers in a couple of weeks, yeah, every the, the, time Rangers, the Rangers come to town, well, and New York is just so massive, and the Rangers have so much presence just all over. Right. The, the, but the Rangers could be the team that's still in the mode of we sent the letter to our fans, we're building this thing back, it's going to take a while, blah blah blah, and that build and that building would still have Rangers fans. Showing. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, and that's just a numbers thing. Right. Like, that's just New York City. Well, it's, and... it's New York. It's like the Yankees. It's like yep. if the Yankees are playing somewhere, even if they're terrible, people still 
go to see them because people will might fill be... a Buffalo Wild Wings in Des Moines, Iowa to watch <laughs> the New York Yankees beat up on the Tampa Bay Rays in March. We just pulled that one out of nowhere, but yeah. sure. A, but a like B, a B dubs in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. But tell me I'm wrong though. That's, no, that's I, I, how I get... big an impact the New York Yankees are. Sure. And the, the Rangers are that. Like they're they're one of the iconic brands, yeah. Well, and that Forbes article that came out not terribly long ago with franchise values, it was um it was a conversation around Arizona and the sale of the team and blah blah blah. Sure. The Rangers are the number one franchise. It's not sure. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, because because yeah, because I think that it, there's a different it's angle. It's the American to, dollar. I know. Sure. I, well, that's part of it, but it's not going to be it, it, like to your point. It's not any of the other original six teams because it's New York and it's it's, it's a, an New iconic brand. Like like, and there's another team in town technically. That's the crazy part. Techn- yeah, technically. <laughs> right. Yeah, but even that team, you, you're, you're going to tell me that team doesn't have value? They just built a brand no, new arena at a, at a racetrack. But that's what I'm saying is that's how big and, New York and casino. is. That's what I'm saying. That's how yeah. big New York is. There's sure. three teams within 35 minutes. Well, okay. So, it, all right, fair, fair enough. And the Rangers are still that massive. Okay, well, fair, fair enough. I was surprised by that kind of vocal level of the of the devil's fans fair enough like well you know what too okay if let's look at the two teams at the top of the standings if this was boston i'd totally get it because boston i would i would see it and go everybody's buying into that right away oh yeah you're still playing for the team there's an element of this where i sit there and go this team is still very young the new jersey team is they're still very young this hasn't happened in a long time i would actually almost believe it if there was more skeptics like even though it's a quarter of the way through, even though they're on this crazy 22 and one run, the devils for, are for real, man. Oh, I'm not saying that they're not, but I, I could see fans right. for travel purposes being like, I'm still a skeptic. I think they've watched. It's been a long time. I mean, it's been since what, since really since what would it be? I guess 2014. Were they in the conference final? Something like that. But I think they've watched a couple of years of Nico. He's I think they've watched a couple of years of Jack Hughes and they know how good those guys are. Thanks for the segue because I was going to say the thing that was least surprising to me was Jack Hughes having a oh, skill. Absolutely. I absolutely. had that I had that planned from the moment I wrote the game preview. Kid's incredible. But then you and take a, him. You take a look at that and then you combine it with the fact that their management has shown a willingness over the last couple of years to make kind of risky moves and go for it. You've seen them acquire PK Subban and it didn't really work out. Well, I mean, it did for a little bit. You know what I mean? It, yeah, briefly, but yeah, you're the PK right. Subban thing didn't match their timeline. If they picked no. up, if the PK Subban they traded for a couple of years ago, if they could get him today, he would fit them fantastically. Yeah, possibly. I see your point there. But at the time, it just wasn't. It wasn't the right time. Um, but this team, like, they go out and they get John Marino. That's a big pickup. I don't think people are talking about it quite enough. Um, you know, Eric Howell is there. Jesper Bratt is finally kind of coming into his own and really blossoming as an NHL player. Sure. Um, you, you go and get Tomas Tatar. Like, they've shown a willingness to go for it over the last couple of years, and it's finally all gelling. Like, this is the completion of the Devil's Rebuild. This is the young kids are finally, you know, maturing into their own players and being forming the core. And then the other guys are kind of the, 
you know, not aging, but the veterans you're putting around them to bring in the experience, to bring in a little bit of grit. Mm-hmm. And they're really doing a solid job. I mean, if if their goaltending situation stabilizes and, you know, we'll see where we're at on that as the season goes along. The Devils are a good team and they're built right. to be a good team for well, a long time. Well, because you also have to analyze and I think the I think your point on Jesper Brad is a good one here because of the fact that someone who's been around for a little while to kind of go through the worst of it as well. Like like I feel that way about Damon Severson or um uh Miles Wood, guys like that who have been around for long enough that you're like, you were here when it was awful. Oh yeah. Like, like, you saw I the was, dark days. Right. And and you know, like one of the other things about their team this year is every so often, you know, and I, mate, look, I'm mentioning this as a footnote because it's not really news to go back to the Flyers for one second because it's not really news. But Ryan Ellis is out for the entire se- yeah. season officially. Yeah. But that brings back the conversation about that trade, right? And what an awful trade it was. Blah blah. Like everybody complains about it and sits there right. and says that. And, and and I still stand by. Like, well, and no, because I still stand by the fact that you would make it every single time based on its its potential. And right. realistically, who's won? Because on the in the same week that exactly. Ellis is announced, no, in the same week that Ellis is announced, that he's out for the entire year officially. Not that anybody was surprised by that news. We already know Nolan Patrick's not playing this year. Right. His, career gonna, over, his career might be over. His career might be over. Right. His career might be over. And Phil Myers got placed on waivers for what the fifth time in the last I, three years. Right. Exactly. Like, what did you, sometimes like you jettisoned? Trades, sometimes you, trades are lost on all sides, and you, there's no winner. You jettisoned off a couple of high-risk, high-reward type of guys, and right. Phil Myers had a brief moment, and Nolan Patrick looked okay in his limited time with Vegas. Sure. But neither one set the world on so, fire. Neither one stuck. Sure. So so what's my point in bringing that up in the middle of a conversation about the New Jersey yeah. Devils? Sometimes two teams make a trade that works out perfectly for both sides. Yep. And I think you're seeing that with the two best teams in the league, two highest point totals, two teams with 20 wins, and one team sends Eric Halla to the New Jersey Devils, and the other one sends Pavel Zaka to the Boston Bruins, and it looks like it's just an even swap, one for one. Let's The most beautiful change of scenery trade right. it, but in it, a very long time. But I watch, I've watched both teams play a game. Well, yeah, like real, because I actually didn't really, I got to go off of this. I didn't really watch the season opener when the Flyers played the Devils because I was in another state and in another time zone. I didn't get to watch it live. Um, now that I've watched the Flyers play the Devils this time around, and I've watched the Flyers play the Bruins in another game, I I see how both guys fit into the equation and it works naturally. I didn't. I, Pavel like, Zaka is a great Boston Bruin. He's well, he's a, yeah, he's a better Boston Bruin than he ever like. I remember watching games where he was on the New Jersey Devils, and I go, "What kind of career is this guy even going to have?" This this is a guy who got picked one pick ahead of Ivan Provorov. Yep. Which means, and and I'm not trying to say that to make it seem like, oh, well, that means the Flyers so won better than anybody else ever did. Right, right, right. No, because the point is, is that if he got picked one pick ahead of Ivan Provorov, he also got picked ahead of. Zach Wierenski and Miko Rantanen and Thomas Shabbat and Matthew Barzil. And let's just keep going down the yep. list of guys who he was not going to amount to be. Yep. And at least now I look at him on Boston and I say, I see your role. I oh, see how yeah. you fit and I see how you're working. Like it's, it's it, to me, it's no different with him in Boston than, than Nick Felino suddenly having a resurgence after being placed on waivers in the preseason. Right. Like all of a sudden it's like, not that I'm surprised that the guy has a role in in Boston. He always did when from the moment he got there. But it was almost like I, I watched the preseason with him in the in lineup and went, 
The tank's running on empty. This is coming to an end soon. And all of a sudden, it's like they put him on waivers, and that was his trip to the gas station to get more fuel, and he's back. Like, he's back and playing well and doing things that help that team. But the yep. same thing has happened for – because. Eric Hall has never really been a bad player. He's been a solid no. depth player because he's played in multiple. Think about all the places he's played where he's had moments, like yep. playing in Vegas, playing in you know had a cup, you know playing in Boston, playing in Minnesota. Like he's bounced around a lot, and he's yeah. made it work a lot. But here it just seems like there's he's he seems like the right veteran piece at the right time for a team that is not led by guys like him. It's led by Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt. And, you know, the list goes on. I mean, look at who else scores for them in this thing. Zetterlund was just told the other day I saw, uh, and I, this was, I believe, the Devil's website had a whole thing on this. Zetterlund was just told the other day, move out of the hotel, get a place. Nice. You're staying. And I believe the same, I'm trying to remember who else the other one was because I want to make sure, I don't want to make, make it seem like I'm getting it wrong. Um, I think it was, maybe it was Boquist who was told, uh, yes, for Boquist was told to get a place as well. So not who I was going to say next, but the game-winning goal, or not game-winning goal, the goal puts him ahead for good off of, look, off of a miscommunication behind the net, so it's kind of cheap. But Dawson Mercer, another piece of the future that's factoring in. Eric <clears throat> Eric Howler, by the way, mm -hmm. two, drafted in 2009. Okay. Seventh round pick. Yep. Number 182 overall to the Minnesota Wild. Wow. And, a and I know, but and a career at this point that because I'm I, I've thought about his big chunks where he's played the most time. You forget that for a little while after the couple years in Vegas, where and, and the one year in Vegas, by the way, career year 20 oh, yeah. goals, 55 points. Everybody after, in Vegas after, had a career year, <laughs> yeah, but after, yeah. But after playing in Minnesota, where the best that he had was 15 goals and 34 points to. Double he's your goal little, total. He's done a little team hopping since then, though. Well, right. Carolina, a little stop in Florida, Nashville, Boston. The year in Boston did him well. Yeah. Like, he like he wasn't the most natural fit there because they couldn't figure out a good place to put him because, I mean, hell, they couldn't even figure out whether or not they wanted to play him on the wing or down the middle at times because they'd have a guy get hurt and they'd have to play him down the middle and then he would go yeah. back to the wing and it would like it would be a mess like that. He couldn't get into a rhythm. Oh, and you, do, you, do you know what else kind of factored into an extent with with him last year in Boston that I don't think like. Let's just like hypothetically speaking, what if the trade was never made and he's still in Boston? OK, I think he'd still be doing OK because. Yeah. I think one of the big reasons why he had the year that he did production-wise, but the fit never seemed right, was because of Jake DeBrusque, who wanted out while everything was going on there last year. And so they kept bumping him around. Like, he couldn't get along with Bruce Cassidy and the coaching staff. He couldn't, you know, they didn't see a vision for him. Like, he, he didn't see their vision. He, they're bumping him to fourth line, sometimes thinking he's going to be out of the lineup practically. And so what do you have to do? You vault other guys ahead. So... A guy like that all of a sudden is playing and, and all it takes is a Charlie Coyle to be out or a, yep. you know, pick another guy. God who forbid plays any, anybody in the top six gets hurt, you know. Well, exactly. I mean, yep. and, and and well, and, the, and here's the other thing. You're still making up for the fact that David Krejci's not playing with you at that point. So, like, isn't it amazing what happens when he shows back up and all of a sudden you go, boy, slots right back into that 2C role. Yep. Just, just like old times. And, and, and oh, by the way, now the guy on your wing is Taylor Hall. Yeah. And now that we're on Boston, by the way, because we've we've gotten to Boston here. <laughs> can we talk I, about the fact that I'm just very interested in every Boston home game now? 
they're they're still undefeated at home. Right. Sure. They have not lost a game in TD Garden this year. I think it's 14 now, 13, 14, something like that. It's um was absurd. Carolina was when they yeah, that they they got to 12, which I think set a record. Uh, so now yeah. they're up so now they're up to 14 with the and win just, against Tampa and the win yeah. against Colorado. And they're just running it up at this point. And you're getting close. You are a significant portion of the way through your entire home schedule. Well, if you're if you're through 14, yeah. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, we're bordering on half. That's what I'm saying. You're... Do, do, do you want to know what's even scarier than that? Okay. They have a, they have a five-game homestand. <laughs> no, which means... <laughs> Who do they got? Longer... Well, uh, let's start with this. They play on Monday night against Vegas at home to keep it going. So if they were to That's win that, okay. it is a tough game. Well, you know what? It is. But they've they they just made convincing work out of Colorado, and they do it against Tampa. But it's and, still a tough game. Oh, I'm not saying it's not tough, but they've done. I'm saying they've played some tough teams and still made it work. Um, no, the actually, you're gonna think that the five gamer is pretty favorable. Islanders, Kings, Blue Jackets, Columbus, Panthers, Florida, Winnipeg. Jets, man, Florida. Two. There's at least two, maybe three, three mm. on that list that I see are easy. Oh. Easy, should be easier wins. Oh yeah, but the only thing that I don't factor in there, like pick one of the two between the Islanders and the Kings, that should be tougher because someone will play them tough. The, the Kings will play a tough game. They should. Yeah. Um, Columbus, they should have. Win- Winnipeg's the other one, by the way, because Hellebuck's playing out of this world. If anybody's going to go in and steal a game, goaltending. I mean, you know what? Maybe maybe that makes some of the other ones tougher though too, because the Islanders have been getting some good goaltending. Sorokin's played well. Florida can get if Florida, especially if they continue to roll with Spencer Knight, has been getting some goaltending that can play in. Definitely Winnipeg's goaltending, you know. But we'll see. I mean, and 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 it, guess what? I mean, okay. So factor that in. Vegas, then that five game stretch, and Buffalo is on New Year's Eve. Could they possibly go into the year? Well, and think about something. They're the home team on January second for the Winter Classic which counts as a home game, but we could sit there and still say after they haven't lost year, in the garden, haven't lost in the garden. Oh my God. Oh Wouldn't my God. That, I, that would be the funniest headline. Okay. Well, um, so, I, I, that is fascinating by the way. So let's, let's one more league, one more league story. And then I, and then we'll get back to the, well, because we got to get into the heart of the matter at the, Flyers, yes. which is way more than just the games. But real quick, I just want to briefly mention, um, the Edmonton Oilers have played 25 games this year. Yeah. Do you oh, know off the top of your head how many points Connor McDavid has? Oh, good. I'm looking at the standings, not player performance. Good. Okay. So I, so good. I'm not, I'm not spoiling this. Do you know how many points Connor McDavid has in 25 games? 25 games. Um. Well, let's see. Last night they won five to three. Uh huh. He scored the last goal. I know he probably he had, had four at least points. I know he had at least one or two more assists off. He of had two point. assists, two goals. He had a four point night casually. So then fine. If he, if he had four points last night in game 25, he's at 52. He's at 47. Really? Okay. I yeah. thought he got over the two yeah. per game mark with that. Not, not quite. He has 21 goals, 26 assists in 25 games. He's, he's got an, more than an assist per game and also 21 goals. Okay, fine. Then if you're going to go, th- if you're going to go there, it, which it is absurd, if you're going to go there, then I'm going with one more league story then because we needed, yeah. I think, I think it needs to be mentioned. If you're bringing up McDavid, it needs to be mentioned. It needs to be mentioned. Okay. You just mentioned how many you go, how many points does he have in 25 games? 
Okay. Is he leading the league in goals? He's not. We need to talk about this guy. Jason Robertson's ridiculous. By the way, one fewer game than McDavid, and he has 22 to, to Connor McDavid's 21. Kid's special. Kid is special. Kid is ridiculous. And <sighs> Dallas and 32 Thoughts talked about this. Dangle Podcast talked about this. Like, this is a conversation that's been around a little bit recently. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Stars are pulling off the most seamless transition I've ever seen. Like they have in terms they, of they have successfully transitioned from the Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben, Ben Bishop era to have a goaltender, a scoring forward, to and the Rope Hints, uh, Jason Robertson, uh, Jake Ottinger era. You know what the scary part of what you just said is? I didn't even mention Miro Heiskin. Thank you. That's where I was going. Yeah. Like, didn't even mention they got a cornerstone defenseman while you're at it. Hello, and everyone's Swedish. Esselindel is really good. Joel Kiviranta <laughs> is there. Like, they also just have a bunch of Swedes, and that's pretty cool too. One of these days, Oscar Lindblom will play there. <laughs> that'd be that'd be nice. That'd be, be pretty cool. Than, be a lot better than San Jose. Um, because because if nothing else, he deserves a chance to go um, to play for somebody who can win. But besides, absolutely. but. but no, I mean, you know what? Well, like you like you just said, well, maybe the more astonishing thing or the thing that makes it even better is they're doing it while those guys you mentioned, well, not on the, the fly, part, but right. They're doing it while Ben and Sagan are still part of the equation. Yep. Like th- that's a team that's still successful. I kind of want to I want to see something really quick about them. Uh, by the way, if you are listening to this show and you know me from any of our sim leagues or any of our various <laughs> fantasy hockey leagues. Dude loves Rope Hints. You will know that I am the world's biggest Rope Hints fan. Uh, so to see Jason Robertson leading the league in goals when Rope Hints is his primary center and has a whole pile of assists this year. Um, speaking of speaking of which, by the way, fresh off a new contract. Signed a way. big, fat contract. Eight years, 8.45 per. Guess what? With the way the cap's going to be? It's a good it's, deal. It's an incredible deal. It's a good deal. It's a great deal for the player because the player gets paid while the cap is still a little bit tight. And then once the cap blows up in a couple of years, the team is going to love having a first line center for under eight and a half. Well, million. I mean, are you well, kidding me? Well, and the other thing that you got to factor in is exactly what you're talking about. Cause once that deal kicks in yeah, he, he's jumping from just over 3 million to eight and a half. Right. All right. And listen, but, you're you're giving me an opportunity to talk about rope hands, so I'm talking know, about rope hands. No, that's here. fine. But I'm saying, <laughs> think about for a second. I mean, it's it's gonna look a little ugly in the beginning because like Sagan's still got a lot of term left. Ben's only got two years after this year. Like he almost becomes the natural replacement for yep. Jamie Ben. Absolutely. And, and um, let's just say you might be able to maximize what Sagan's given you over the next few years. For all I know. Like even even Robertson's locked up for three more years beyond this year at seven point seven five million. That's obscene given what he's doing this year. So real quick, can I tell the story of why Rope Hints is kind of a oh please me yeah, in my life? Do. Okay, please um, do. So a couple years ago, I was in a sim hockey league. Shout out DCHL. Shout out Matt. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so I was in the sim league a couple years ago, and I had Rope Hints, and I got <laughs> Rope Hints for a steal. I loved it. It was uh, Oli Jokinen. And a fourth, oh. no, Ole Jokinen and a fifth round pick. For I haven't Rope, heard that name in a little in a minute. So for Rope Hints, another prospect that I don't remember, and a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick. Okay, so it was a pretty good little deal for me, considering Ole Jokinen was expiring, and like I thought it was fantastic. 
Sure. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm trying to find. Okay. There was a guy in the league, and I'm not going to name him, but he ran the Dallas Stars because how this sim league works is everyone is assigned to a team and you run your team. And he was a Dallas Stars fan in real life. Or he picked up the Dallas Stars as a team in real life because he ran the Dallas Stars in this sim league. And he was interested in acquiring Rope Hints because he mm-hmm. was on his way up. He was starting to kind of do things at the NHL level. He was starting to kind of prove himself as a player. Now, I had an attachment to him because I got him as a prospect, and now he's starting to prove himself. So I feel really good about that. <laughs> so when you're playing armchair GM and you essentially acquire the prospect, you're like sitting here going, I like this kid. I want him around. I'm enjoying this. And it's like, even though it's a sim league, it's still. I'm, I'm you, puffing you have my an chest out. I'm yeah. puffing my chest out because I acquired a prospect that is hitting. Currently in the prospect of blowing up and hitting and becoming a thing. And this guy messages me and he's talking about acquiring Rope Hints and he's trying to underplay it and go, well, Jason Robertson's the center of the future. Or no, it wasn't Jason Robertson who he, it was, um, I can't Is it it somebody who's playing now? Yeah. It is? Okay, hang on. I'm pulling back up. I'm pulling back up their roster really quick. Okay. While I do this. Uh, So he was talking about. Wasn't Fox it, was it? No, I think it's somebody they traded away. Ty Smith? Did they have Ty Smith? Oh, what? Ty Delandria? Ty Delandria. That's who it is. That's who it is. He's like, oh, Ty Delandria is the 1C of the future. Rope is never going to be more than a 2C. You know, I'm not going to, you know, because I'm trying to, I think he's going to be a star. And I think, you know, I'm trying to get first line value for him. So he says, this is a direct quote from a message. And again, I'm not naming names here, so I feel okay Okay. about that. I'm willing to consider a combo involving guys like Valeno, Reese, Nick Robertson, Jake Vertanen, Galvis, Lucas Johnson, in a deal for hints, plus a guy like Veselainen or Adam Bachvis. Um. Okay, so hold on a minute, because there's a bunch of names thrown in there all at once. Right, and I'm not going to break down who Jameson Reese is, and we're not talking about Jake right, Vertanen. Right, right. He's dead to everybody no, here. No, but um, like, okay, so like, because the Nick Robertson part was interesting because he's kind of in limbo in Toronto right now. So for, um, con- for context, this is a couple of years ago, right after all those guys just are coming off a good performance at World Juniors. Okay. All, like, they're all you know, post-draft, pre-NHL. Like, they're they're all post-grads. Um, and he just throws me this pile of prospects, basically, for a sure. guy who is in the process of proving himself. And at one point, he very snarkily throws out, well, what do you even think Rope Hints is anyway? And I went, <laughs> like, as in, like, what do you project him to be? And I was pretty conservative, to be honest. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm pretty excited about him. But I think he's like a 20, 40, 60 guy. And uh, for the record, just in terms of feeling vindicated, uh, <laughs> last, last year, Rope Hintz finished with 37 goals and 35 assists and is currently on pace for 28 goals and 63 assists. So uh, bite me. Anyway, <laughs> okay, there you go. Hey, so, listen, hey, listen, if we're going, if we're going off of the, you know, Dallas Stars thing here for a second, you know, because I do, fan, I play fantasy hockey, and my number one goaltender this year in the draft that I took anywhere that I kind of share the team with my dad a little bit. So, but he, he kind of knowing how many games I'm at, he goes, okay, who, who's good, who's not, kind of like, right. help, me, help me with these depth picks here. Help me out, but, right. but he, um. Uh, so when we came to goalies, there was a run of goalies by the third round, as, as typically is in fantasy. And 
I just went off of last year's playoffs and said, you know what? Ottinger might be the best one left. Let's go for it. And turns out the guy's ranked in the top 100 of players this year. And if not for a couple of games that he missed with an injury, might be the number one goalie in the league this year. I believe Jake Ottinger got kept in my league because of how his performance in the playoffs and, was. And um, oh, for what it's worth, by the way, Ottinger was my, the first goalie we took. The second goalie we took was Ilya Samsonov. Nice. The third goalie we took was Linus Olmark. Nice. You're <laughs> sometimes, good. sometimes you just gotta have a feel. But also, by the way, to your point, because it's such a deep league. This is a, uh, for clarity, by the way, this is a league with 18 teams in it. Yeah. So you're you really gotta know depth. So that's like, goaltending, like, right? Like there. you're like well, no, you're picking you're picking backup goalies. You're picking third 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 pairing defensemen sometimes just to get guys just who to get bodies think. who play. So 14th round, we picked Essa Lindell. Ooh. who turns out to be a pretty nice player so far. I mean, like, we got a few good ones here. I mean, 19th round, I got a guy like Adam Lowry from Winnipeg okay. who, who doesn't light up the score sheet any, but does a bunch of other little things that get you fantasy points, like hits people, block shots, plays penalty kill, wins face-offs. Uh, I have Radko Gudis on my team, or had Radko Gudis on my team for the same reason, and mm -hmm. I currently have Nikita Zadorov on my team for the same reason. But like, doesn't that make this better though? When you have to know what you're taught, like know that those aspects of a player just as much. Like this isn't about just going out and going, oh gee, who's going to score the most score, goals this year? Sort by scoring and get the top guy available. Right. You, I mean, look, do you try to? Of course you do. But everybody knows who the top ten goal scores are. And to be honest, you know what I really want to do right this second with that to an extent. Oh no. It none is because now I'm curious because this is not going to happen next year at this rate. When did Robertson go? This year, because like this year, like Kirill Kaprizov went top five this year because everybody okay. now knows that's a thing like that. He's going to be that kind of player. Um, so I want to see when Robertson went, because like just just for clarity here, as a guy who is not necessarily lighting the world on fire, but by now has a reputation that he's a good skill player. Let's just say this. we all no, knew and, that and he I'm, was going to have a good year. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Robertson. I'm talking about a guy that we like that. I got oh, 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 OK, that I got late. To, by my standards, late that everybody knows he's a good player. I got Braden Point in round seven oh. of, an, of an eighteen team league. Like I got Braden Point with that's disrespectful. You're telling me I got if, if Braden Point was round seven for me, I got him at pick one twenty four. All right, that's All obscene. Right. Tell me the truth. Rope, Rope hints went one twenty for you, by the way. Nice. And how how many guys messaged you after going? Hey, nice pick. Not really. It was oh, quiet. really? Okay. It, there's no one's not near as much. Jason Robertson went 50th in wow. round three. Wow. So people knew. To an extent, but uh, to give you an idea of some players that are ahead of him that maybe haven't performed well. Well, it's tough to say. A lot of these guys have performed well. Where, Jack where did Zach Hyman go? Um, Pretty early, probably. I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm scrolling <laughs> through, but I'm going to guess round five. Well, because I was curious because uh, you see high-end players go, and then often you will see one of their line mates go shortly after. So you see Connor McDavid. You know Zach, uh, Zach Hyman's getting drafted at some Zach, point fairly Zach soon. Hy Zach Hyman went, went 11 picks before the Braden Point pick at 113. Nice. Yep. Wow, that's that's good value there. And if, And to put a bow on the Dallas Stars thing? The pick after the Braden Point pick that we made at 124, Miro Heiskanen at 125. Can you believe that that's how far? Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
That's crazy. Okay. All right. We're almost at we're an hour in and we still haven't talked about Let's talked about the it. games this week, but we haven't talked about first of all, I'm surprised you have yet to ask me in the first hour, especially when you brought up the New Jersey game. About post. Hey, so yeah, have you had any interesting press conferences re- this week, Kevin? Any interesting post game experiences? Uh, okay, well, one interesting post game experience of note, obviously, but interesting press conferences. Um, I wasn't necessarily at them, but you know, have you heard about? Have you heard anything from the media about maybe some? Um, well, we started talking notable about this last notable week. events this week. Well, we started talking about this last week, right? Because we talked about the, well, you watch the game, you write it kind of thing and all that type of stuff. And I, I told you last week, get ready because the fuse is lit. Yep. It was you our know, show title. It was, you know, he, it, it's starting to get to a point. And it's, it, look, it's lit for a bunch of reasons. It's lit for, you know, it's very clear that the, you know, the ire towards management, it's very clear, all that type of stuff. And you know, granted, we're not here today talking about any change to that part of the team right this second. No, but, I didn't come in with balloons and streamers. So. Yeah, but but I'll I'll elaborate on that in a little bit, by the way. Mm. But nonetheless, we're not talking about that today. And the longer that it goes on, like to an extent, look, you can look at that particular fifty-seven second press conference and like the banner says, it's torts being torts. Listen, he's, he can sit there and say you're asking dumb questions. Every pundit on Twitter who thinks that they could do a better job than anybody who's in there can sit there and say, yeah, they were dumb questions. Here's the reality of those situations because it's happened. First of all, if you didn't expect that to happen at any point in time, you don't know anything about John Tortorella. Then you've lived under a rock for his would, entire coaching career. I would also like to mention going forward that if you don't expect this to happen again – you're also living under a rock. Like, this will happen again. This was not sure. the last time. Like, there's a, there's a, and I've said this, there's a method behind the madness with the way he presents himself. He's not as honest and forthright as he is as a head coach. He, he knows how to craft an answer. Yep. Sometimes that crafted answer is very carefully worded and detailed and says a lot. Sometimes it's not a lot of words. It's not even an answer. It's I want the hell out of here. But it's certainly but a it message. Answers, right? <laughs> like he walked into that room and you could have had the best question in the world. And I don't think he was answering it last night. He had a, he had a plan going in that basically bottom. And I'll tell you what the plan was. They just outshot the New Jersey Devils 33 to 18. In a game that they lost three to two, goaltender made a key mistake that led to a goal. Yep. The same goaltender that carried you to seven wins to start the year. Yep. He's not throwing the goaltender under the bus for that. Absolutely not. So he's not going to talk about that. He's not going to talk about a team that just played with so much structure against the best team in the league. One of the two. You could argue that they outplayed the New Jersey Devils. Right. He's not going to bury a team like that that clearly doesn't have the same level of talent and yet hung in there with them for the same 60 minutes that was right there at the end. In fact, thought they scored a tying goal to have it waved off for incidental contact. Oof, yeah, and it should have been. like It no, was, it was, it was it interference, was but sure. we're not arguing about that, but it is unfortunate that you know you get that goal, you get that puck across the goal line, sure. and it just doesn't count. Anytime that happens, you're disappointed. Yeah. So he's not doing that. So what is he doing? And what question would you like the rest of the media to ask that isn't 
kind of a softball layup to him because at this point in time when you've lost 12 out of 13 and this is a daily routine of post game talk about the loss hey john how does it feel to lose it sucks hey john how does it feel to lose again it sucks like i mean how how well, long can it, you do that <laughs> but it's not it's not even that right. what else are you going to try to pull from the guy if he's not going to like let's put it this way think about the timeline that leads up to this moment he says he's not going to talk about individual players he's always a don't ask me about an individual player i got to watch the tape first yep. well then after a game you have nothing to ask him about except for what did you think of the effort how did you do this blah 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 what will you know like if he doesn't want to give answers, he doesn't have to give answers. And I don't think he's going to be satisfied with anything until there's a change because yep. that's where he's headed with this. If it, like, I don't want to hear anybody complain about this guy no. at this point. No, absolutely because not. Because to, to be honest with you, whether you think he's the right coach for today or not, it doesn't matter at this point. The fans should be in love with this guy because whether he's the right coach for today or not, whether you like his style or you don't, whether you think it aligns with the state of the franchise – you need somebody out there right now to tell it to you like it is and be this forthright and honest. And the same day that the GM came out and an hour later from this coach telling you a whole list of things, the, uh, same, the general manager an hour later tells you, well, we're only five points out of a wild card spot, you know. Which he, sounds like a desperate man clinging well, sure, on to his job. Because, okay, look, that's a human reaction. Totally. And I'm not giving Chuck if, Fletcher a if, hard time right, for that. You he is up I, against the wall. Right. If you or I had to go out, like, not that we're ever, like, you and I are not interviewed about our jobs on a daily basis, right? Man, it feels like it sometimes. Uh, <laughs> doing, doing, doing the show, it does. Sure. Well, wow, doing sales, it does. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a different mode <laughs> I am. I don't, I don't have to communicate with hey. people like that. Be nice to your salespeople this holiday season. They're oh, I working very I, hard. Not you, just in general. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> believe me, when my wife had the flu in the week leading up to Thanksgiving, and the many trips I went over to the pharmacy and had to wait like thirty minutes for something because it's just hectic. Yep. You just look. Am I frustrated? Yes. Tis, tis do, the I, do, do I do I sit there at the end of the day and try to make it seem like? Listen, I know it's not your fault. I am frustrated, but it's not your fault. Thank you. Yep. Just be polite about it. You don't have to be like thrilled, Every, but you don't. Just, but you don't have to be just an doing ass. their job. Right. Yes, you don't have to be an ass. All um, right. Speaking just, of, uh, but, speaking but my, of asses, my, no, Chuck no, Fletcher. But my, but, but my point being, if you had to answer questions about your job status every day, and it's not going well, wouldn't you try to spin yourself off as? Listen, I'm trying yeah. to do my best. I, I'm trying to do my best, or you try to find the positive because because at the end of the day, you don't want to lose your job. No, now, granted. No, granted. This is different circumstances. This is the this is a general manager in the National Hockey League who has a million dollars, who has a seven figure salary. Yeah, not, no, they're not no, the average yeah. everyday person who's sitting there going, "Geez, you know what? For my forty thousand, you know, my forty thousand dollar a year annual salary, right. I can't afford to lose that, or I don't have a place to live." Right. Who, all things considered, will be literally fine if he gets fired. Might sure. might have his feelings hurt. Might take a financial hit. Right. Did you ever know? Generally how, speaking, will be right, like, like, yeah, because well, you never knows how in sports, nobody ever sits there and like nobody ever argues with the well, it's the business of it. Yeah, it's the business of it. And you're still getting paid if they fire you. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, because you just you signed a contract. You yes. know, everybody, anybody else gets fired. They get shown the door and they don't get their last paycheck. No. Or like or something like that. You know, maybe they do. You know what I mean? Maybe you get your vacation time paid. Out. Right. That's what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. John Tortorella came out the other day and tells everybody this is not a one year thing. It's more than that. And he's right. He knows. He, because, like, have you, like, the press conferences lately from him 
and listen, they're not after a game. You've got to separate the post game from the day after I have the practice interviews. He, uh, right. Because the, he, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're passionate about a sport, if we watch a sports team that we have expectations for, like right now, when we watch this team, it's a little bit indifferent, right? The losing is a, isn't okay. No, like I said, okay. I was flipping back and forth between the UFC fights and the game. Like, well, I, I, right? And my point when being, the like, Flyers are good, I don't flip back and forth. I watch the Flyers. But my point being, when they're not good, the losing's okay because you're trying to get draft picks yep. or a better draft pick. The you know, people are going to sit there and tell you nobody cares about it. People are going to sit there and say it doesn't matter. You know, and I have to ignore that stuff because I'm there to work. You know, I'm there to do something. Like, and I'm not going to stop doing that just because the team is awful. I have to be there for that. But it's, you know, when it, when it, it as much as you can sit there and say all of that stuff and it doesn't matter, he's still locked into a game wanting to win. And as fans, if we're watching a team that we have higher expectations for, when, you know, we're recording on Sunday morning like we always do, when we yep. go watch the Eagles later this afternoon, if they don't win the game with the record that they have and the potential that they have, and they do something that frustrates us, we're pissed off about it. And if they yep. lose this game, don't talk to us for an hour. Don't Maybe don't talk to us for the rest of the day. That's how Philadelphia is, right? right. Don't talk to me for the rest of the day. The team lost, and I'm pissed off about it. When the and Flyers he can't walk in. Like They give you a 10-minute cool-down period after these types of things. 10 minutes is not enough for John Tortorella to cool down. To be fair, by the time the Flyers lost, I've already processed it midway through the second period. <laughs> right, but but that's but I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about. I know. Like he's the head coach of the team. He, he right. John Tortorella is one hundred and ten percent in debt. But when we were like, okay, but this goes back to when we were watching the World Series, or when you're watching the Eagles now, and you're watching a, a team that has expectations that you can that you would say every week or every day or whatever it is. I'm investing myself into this. Well, he's invested into it, obviously. Sure. He's the head coach of the team. So when he's investing the time and the work and that we're going to keep showing him the same clips and we're going to keep teaching him the same things and we're going to keep driving this home until we get it right. And he, if he's investing the time and they're not winning the game, but the effort's there and the structure was there and they played better, but he's going to get asked a question about, well, did you think the effort was there? Like, yeah, we did. Yeah, the effort was there. We played That's our right. asses off. And John Tortorella has already shown that if the guys play hard – He's not going to bury them because he can't right. because he knows that he, and he's, he's known the, for a while. He's the only thing shielding them from this team. He's and because he's known for a while that the talent gap is so massive that there's only so much you can do with it. He yep. can't just be forthright and come out like you can't exactly go out there and say, you know what? The reason that we keep losing games is because we suck. We're they're not a good enough team. Like this is they're a trash, trash but they're trash that plays hard. Like you can't. We say play that. hard. But yeah, but you know why he can't say that? Because every player in the room would sit there and go, "Gee, he thinks we suck." F this guy, right? Right. And he's, he's trying to sit there and say, "Listen, they're doing the best they can. They're trying. We're teaching them as much as we can. I'm trying to make the best out of this." The Philadelphia Flyers organization is currently a hurricane. Sure. And John Tortorella is, is standing in – well, he's standing in front of the shack, right? The players are all crowded he's in the shack. Up, he's and John Tortorella is standing in front of it trying to hold the door shut, He's the trying to windows. protect these yeah, guys. He's up windows protecting the inside of your general store. And to be honest – all of his inventory. To be honest, from you know my perspective as somebody who's not in the room, who's not even in the post-game press conferences – like. Sure. As somebody just who kind of watches them on YouTube afterward, yep, 
he's doing a great job with he's what he has. Well, he's doing as well of a job as you can ask for because because to to come out and he he's almost fearless in this in the he sense has that to be. well no in the sense that to say what he's saying that no like to go where no head coach in the last 20 years right. has gone to go where the general manager will not go to go where the ownership will not go right. to tell you this is not one year it like to tell you the reason that we don't get respect the reason that there's no respect is because you have to eat it before you can earn it yep like right now you take notes people don't respect you they're going to there's things that maybe maybe what he's talking about is not what we do he's talking about what the people he's talking about what players are saying passing the bench right you know he, that could be what it is too and you remember that stuff the officials you sometimes don't get a call cuz you're not ref- respected you yep. earn it and then he's and then he's right about that and then he's telling you there's a right way to build it and Basically, without saying the words, he didn't use. He didn't say rebuild. He didn't say bottom out. He didn't use that language because he I'm, said, "I'm not." Because he I'm said, willing "I'm willing to bet he language. doesn't." I'm willing to bet he doesn't have permission to say the word rebuild. Oh, he doesn't. But that's but like which is which comes back to think about the think about the yep. setting for this press conference that he had where he said all this. It's not a game day. It's calculated. He can think about it. He's not coming in in a bad mood because of it. It's well, calculated. Not because of that. <laughs> well, but it's it's calculated. And his answer is without saying the word rebuild, without saying bottom out, he did use other words that I think are telling. That he used other words that to me, my jaw was on the floor because I'm sitting there going, wow, just went there. No more band aid. Get ready, you know, called out the band aid approach, called out the gimmicks, called out the all that stuff and said, you want to know what the want to know what wins people over and gets people back? Winning. You yeah. want to you want to win? You got to build it the right way. That's how we're gonna do it. And he basically flat out just told you the only way to do this is to do it the way it's happening right now. It's not gonna look pretty. It's gonna suck for for several years. Yeah. But you gotta get to that point in order to win people back. And it's as close as you're gonna get to Stone Cold, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin talking about Vince McMahon, right? Because he's not gonna come out and just rip a. Well, you know, Vince McMahon, blah, 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 blah. He's not going to come out and do that. He's not going to come out here and fry Chuck Fletcher in the media, you know, go visit Uh, him at the hospital and hit him over the head with a bedpan. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, sort of. Okay. I'd be, okay, but but not as directly. That's what I'm saying. Well, he can't, no, he can't sit there and say, like, all right, let's go into. I'm sure he wants to. I would love. Oh, he's I would been, love to get John Tortorella in a shady little bar in Haddonfield and ask already, him what he really knows. He's already he's already done it, and I'll tell you why. Okay, because we got it. Let's dive into it first. Because what, what John Tortorella said earlier in the week in that regard, without saying the word rebuild and saying it's more than one year and you got to build it the right way and there's only one way to do it, kind of stuff. It it makes it such, especially when this was right before Chuck Fletcher was supposed to speak and. Primarily address injuries, but then also throw in the we're five points out message, which, by the way, is now li- literally later that night went to six. Um, but it makes it such that you can honestly sit there and especially me from being the person who actually puts out the story that you would then read to get this information other than watching the video of anything that was said. Right. Right. It makes it such that you honestly sit there and you go, screw it. Why should anybody have to hear from Dave Scott or Chuck Fletcher or anybody else if they're going to just spin the narrative as we're only this far out of a playoff spot that, you know, or whatever the case may be, or just spin a narrative that doesn't make sense. 
everybody thinks that, and this goes back to the dumb question thing a little bit too, because everybody thinks that these guys are lobbed softballs by the media and blah, blah, blah. There's a right way to ask questions right. like this to get the answers you want. And most times when you ask these questions, if you don't ask it the right way, they can spin it however they want back to you, no matter how off base it might seem. So unless Dave Scott is coming to you with an announcement, I'm retiring, we're selling, something like that. Unless he's coming to you, what do you need him to speak for? Stay the hell away. Yep. What's the point of what you have to say? Stay home, you, count you your know, money. Because you won't hear like the words that are going to be said about this might be like, yeah, we're not good enough. We're not this, right? Blah, blah. Those words don't change anything. No. And people don't want to hear your words. The same goes for Chuck Fletcher. Words are meaningless. So in fairness to, and in fairness to John Tortorella, who is not only saying all the right things and not being shy about it, but also like there's nothing more than John Tortorella that John Tortorella can do. He's no, right. With, he's not. He's not constructing the roster. Right. He's working with nothing. He's got a preseason roster most nights with the injuries. He's got. He's playing young players who are at this point probably well above their means. He's got veteran players who are playing well over the amount of minutes that they probably should or typically would. There's nothing more that he can do with the product on the ice than what he's trying to do. He's not the builder. The general manager is, and ownership is to an extent because ownership gets the people in who do build it. And Tortorella's job at this point is building the culture within the room. So to that point, he's doing as well as he can, given the yep. circumstances, one. Considering the lack of direction from everybody else in the organization, considering that he can't do it alone, he's doing as well as he can. And, like, at this point, you know, like, you want to find out, like, he's how many times has he said, you want to find out who's with you and who's not with you as you move forward. Who's going to be part of this in two, three, four years, and who's not? Right doesn't sound like the team's GM or even the ownership is with you at this point. No. And that's a huge problem. Like, you listen to – when you listen to Chuck Fletcher and, and listen, there's nothing wrong with Chuck Fletcher or any general manager thinking about winning as the goal. Sure. That's what you're there for. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what They're we all thinking about winning as the goal. Right? Well, because it's what you play sports for. It's what we watch them for. You know, how many people like you think about how many people don't care about this team right now. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the, D, you know, like it doesn't have to necessarily do with, well, the team stinks. It's 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 from the deeper roots of the issues, right? Like, it, this has nothing – like, it, people aren't sitting here saying I'm not people, interested. But. People understand that this roster isn't built to win hockey games right now. Right. If Chuck Fletcher wants to have the mindset going into each season that something can be different, that the team should be able to succeed, that you know that's the point of his job. You build the team that you think you're supposed to think that they can be different. That is your general manager's role. Right. right. Like – that's, I'm just trying to say that the role of a general manager is to be in a position to say those things. That's what you want to do. And he should think that way to an extent. But you have to have an understanding of what you are versus what the rest of the league is. You have to stop trying to pass off the abstract painting where you read between the lines and see one thing we're, and everybody else sees something else. Right. You have to try to pass off the interpretive nature of, you know, hey, the abstract painting is the Mona Lisa right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like you see a masterpiece, you see a team that you think can still compete and everybody else sees scribbles on a piece of paper. And there may be some small markets where that kind of thing flies because people don't really you know, right. pay enough attention to the hockey team, quite frankly. And I'm not going to name any specifics here, but 
Philadelphia is not a small hockey right. market. I know there's talk about, you know, 20,000 fans and they're all in the building. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. But that's just not true. And t- tying it all back to the beginning, kind of, where we started with the first game, they're, they're, these players are not good enough to compete with the likes of Tampa Bay and Colorado's coming up and they no. lost to Boston and Vegas is coming up, right? All that. Or anybody like that. Any if, team in that class. If they it's, find a way to lose to Colorado, uh, Arizona next Sunday... Oh, they could very easily be two losses on their way to another ten-game losing streak already. We'll see about that, but we'll you know, but we'll get to that. Um, this is that's, but when I say that they're not on that level, that's not meant to be a knock on the players who are you know, like on the players themselves as human beings. Zach McEwen seems like a great guy, but he's not getting you to where you want to go. No, no, Nick, no, no. you know, Nick Delorier seems like a great guy, not getting you to where you want to go. Well, he better and, be for the next four years. Well, no, but hi, no, it's. It, Hang on a second, because I'm not dismissing him as a player on a roster. High-end talent gets you where you want to go. And guess what? You can have a Zach McEwen or a Nick Delorier on your roster and still be a contender. Tampa Bay has won Stanley Cups with Pat Maroon on the roster. You know, the Islanders were a win away from being in the Stanley Cup with Matt Martin on the roster. Like, there's roles for guys like that, but it becomes the last role we talk about after the skill, after the two-way ability. After the four checking, after the scoring, after the defensive depth, after the goaltending, Chuck Fletcher's biggest problem isn't the intention of being successful. Every team should intend to do that. Right. And certainly the product of the, you know, the franchise, you know, like he should intend, it's what every GM should intend to do. And certainly a product of the franchise that seemingly hasn't known darker times than these. The intention has always been put the best roster on the ice, right? It's never yeah. been anything different, but it's having the same vantage point that I do for a game and watching every game like the fan, like the fans out there do too, especially the ones that are still doing it and crazed enough to do it, like to, that they can't separate themselves from this on a daily basis. And I get it. Right. We're here, Fletcher, we're here doing this show weekly. Right. Chuck, Chuck Fletcher's problem lies in getting to the quarter mark of a season, snapping out of a 10-game losing streak, being a handful of results away from being at the bottom of the league standings, and somehow coming back to, well, we're only five, five points out of the wild card. Right. Stop focusing on making the playoffs every year like that's the crown jewel of the game. Stop trying to make that an acceptable marker for a successful season. Nobody wants to watch you get into the playoffs by two points to get bounced in five games in round one. Nobody wants to watch you push for the playoffs, miss by four or five points, and get stuck in the middle. You are what you strive for. And what you're striving for in Chuck Fletcher's world is being stuck in the middle because that is successful enough. At this point, uh, completely of his own making, by the way, Chuck Fletcher is in a position where he can't, say that they're rebuilding because it will cost him his job. You know what the problem with that statement is? You're because you're right to an extent. And here's right. the thing. You know what? You know what? They're getting, you know, in the last week, Scott Lawton's come back. Travis Konechny's come back. Tony D'Angelo missed a game and came back. There's a good chance that Cam Atkinson suits up relatively soon. Oh, yeah. There have been absurd injuries. No, well, uh, but I'm, what I'm getting at, and James Van Riemsdyk is getting close. You should be reaching that timeline soon for a Wade Allison type. Like, there's plenty of guys who are coming back soon. Really, the only guys who are left who you should have question marks about moving forward within the next couple of weeks are Sean Couturier with the back injury and Ryan Ellis is out for the year. That that's, should that's, possibly, not even, that's not even a question mark. Well, he's right. just done. Yeah, but right. that, those should be the only guys you are worried about. It's and just it's gonna, Sean Couturier at this point. Right. And 
it's going to put close to the best roster you can get out there based on what was assembled. And in that case, you're going to have like a week or two to see if that changes things a little bit. Newsflash so far, it has not. No, right. You know, but you're going to have like a week or two because, okay, grand scheme of things. We had a show. We did the show last week. And talked about Chuck Fletcher. You should fire him first because the longer you let him have the position, the worse it's going to get for things like that. You want to know something? I changed my mind on that. Not like not that it's worse. It's in the grand scheme of things, if he was if he was fired Monday of this past week is the news drop that we expect the Monday after every show. If he's fired tomorrow for the Monday news drop, if he's fired in a week, if he's fired in a month, does it make a difference? Yeah. You think? Yeah. In terms of what? At any moment, he could pick up the phone and trade Cam York for a piece that helps now. He's not going to because no one because no one is taking that. But it, but you get what I'm saying. Is I know he can, I, he can make a move moving future. What if he trades next year's first round pick? What if he trades the pick? That is something he could do. Okay. Those are yes, there are things those are things he could do. I don't see a market for anything right now. Let's put it this way. You're you're sitting here telling me if he want if he wanted to move Cam York Brock for a Besser. Piece, no, because he, he's he's not first guess what? He can't trade anything because they don't have contracts. He'd have to even it out. And someone's gonna sit there and say, You want me to give you Brock Besser? Then you're either giving me the draft picks that you need, which I think he knows, or you've got to give up multiple contracts that you don't want to give up. So what's it gonna be? You know what so, I mean? So JVR goes for the money in the contract spot. Mm. The pick goes for the value and then probably a prospect in there too. Cause Chuck Fletcher is going to lose this deal. Nope. JVR is stuck on this roster until February. Okay. That's like, that's what I'm getting at. There's no market for JVR. Like, no, no, no. I don't think there's a market for him. I just mean to like Vancouver, Vancouver's not doing great. They're on the way down. They're bad. They're, they're going to flip JVR for an asset at the trade deadline. But I think that's the move. And I don't, I don't see, and I don't even think that's the move, but that's the kind of thing I'm scared of as long as Chuck Fletcher's in charge. I like I'm not even saying I'm not saying they should. Obviously. No, but I'm I'm sitting here saying, okay. Like the the rumblings I've heard, and Aunt San Filippo had this a little bit too, that kind of keep your eyes on the Christmas break. Okay. That as these guys come back, because he's leaned on the injury crutch a lot, obviously. But ultimately, if it doesn't turn around anytime soon and there's no path forward here, like, it, we're getting to the point where something's going to give just to give. Okay? Yep. Now, I have a couple theories on what that could be. Because on one hand, the answer is he just gets fired and everybody, you know, and there was much rejoicing in the city. Right? Okay. That's one answer. But what if the answer is... Okay, because at this point in time, if they make a decision within the season, I can tell you who is probably getting the job. I can tell you that with at this point in time, I would say 70-30, I would be certain of this. Okay. Danny Breer would get the job. Okay. That it would be – and would I'm leaving – Possibly. Okay. I, I, You know what? I imagine it would be for the rest of this year. Okay. But that he would be a very high candidate to take over because, okay, back to the Tortorella press conference for a moment. We talk, you know, we talk every day, right? We talk, I talk with Chuck, I talk with Brent, 
And I talked with Danny Breer. And Danny Breer, by the way, is a brilliant hockey mind. Nobody asked him what he thought of Danny Breer. He just asked, the question he just was volunteered you, the information. The question was how well, like, what's the communication like when you're trying to build for the who like, do you talk to, right? You know, like, and do you talk about the things where it's like, hey, you, you may have contracts that you're not able to move, even though you're thinking of a guy who may not be here in two, three years, right? Or who may not be part of that future plan and you're still stuck with him by contract. And it's, we talk about it every day. By the way, Danny Breer is a brilliant hockey mind. You know what that tells you? It Danny tells Breer you. Danny Breer is a brilliant hockey mind? <laughs> possibly. The, the, no, because the real Kurt answer. I sure think so. Well, because, because the answer to that question is, from my standpoint, is. I don't know if Danny Breer is a brilliant hockey mind or not. He might be. He might not be. I have no idea. I haven't seen him in this role to know. He hasn't had this job. A special assistant to the GM is not is you can sign off on the moves that are being made, but it doesn't mean you were the mastermind behind it. I would love nothing more. And I will apologize to Paul Holmgren, Bob Clark, and the organization if they hand the keys to Danny Breer and say It's your tank, show. Tank, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, be mm-hmm. bad. Build us a winner, period. And then they leave. And they can stay on their titles, but they leave the office. You know what I mean. They go play golf for a while. Delaware Valley has some beautiful golf courses. Let Danny Breer take over. Make, okay. Philadelphia Flyers, it's been a long time since the Philadelphia Flyers had a generational GM. A guy okay. who's there for 20 years who, like, and it doesn't so, happen So Bob Clark, Bobby often. Clark from 87, like, sure. the, the 80s until roughly. I mean, there look, there was a period in the yes. middle where he was. I get it. Uh, but yes. Like, but, yes, that kind of thing where it's an institution and it's one person's vision. Are you kind of talking about it more from, like, let's not use the Flyers as an example, but are you kind of giving me the um, – David Poyle, Nashville yes. kind of thing. Where yes. He, yes. He's been there forever. The only GM they've ever known. The, the franchise has been around for 25 years. Hand Danny Briere the keys. Let him strip it down to the absolute studs. And let him build it. If he's a brilliant hockey mind, let him and Tortorella be your duo. And mm-hmm. Tortor- and Okay. So Tortorella's been around long enough that I could see the two of them working very closely together and having a good relationship almost as like a co-GM's thing. And not that, but like right. you're never going to have more, he's more than a coach. He's got some personnel in Well, listen, to to say that about Danny Briere but then gloss over the fact that yeah, by the way, I talked to Chuck and Brent too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fair. It's a little bit of a, you know, message to anybody who can hear me kind of like Briere's got some knowledge that I really respect, and I think he knows how to build this thing. And I don't know what's going on with the other two, but they're sitting here talking about playoff spots, and we can get this guy in, it's and it's mess. not, and it's not the direction to go, no. right? Like that's think, that's what I mean by that a little bit, like I, that was brought up that way. It's only a matter of time until John Tortorella starts blinking furiously in Morse I, code. Save me, help me, get me I, out of here. Well, and this is like this is what I'm saying. Like it's. Like, so I'm sa- like, this is where I'm going with this. Cause this is the other possibility that I see. And this is not, this is not a good possibility, but it, it's okay. one that I think exists. If, if the, if the decision is made on Chuck Fletcher by like within the next three weeks or whatever the case may be. 70, 30, I'm thinking Danny Breer is the guy who everybody has in mind. Even, even let's put it this way. Breer would at the bare minimum. I look, I think it would be almost a hundred percent possibility that Breer would be able to take over in some respect. 
it could be interim basis and they just push, you know, push everything down the line and say, listen, I'll even let Danny Briere with an overall grand scheme vision that aligns more with what Tortorella sees say, um, handle the trade deadline. Right. Hell, maybe he's the right guy to do it in that sense where it's like, Hey, listen, at least he knows the long-term plan. Do it. Move, right. move, move JVR, move Justin Braun, move whatever else you can and get what you can back, right? Start start creating cap space, start creating some roster space, start get, you know, but start get, rebuilding. But get, but get your third round pick for Justin Braun again or yep. third or fourth, get your second for JVR or whatever you can get, right? Quite quite frankly, I think the fact that there's not a lot to do, like you said, makes it a good time. But whether or not like my point is it whether gi- well, it gives Danny Briere a nice little training wheels trade deadline is what I'm sure saying. It does. Is it gives and, and he's not tasked with you got Claude Giroux this year. You know right. what I mean? You're not, you're not you don't t- have the franchise captain on your hands. Right. At this point in time, you move the cap from well, not the cap, but you get what you can for James Finneriams, like you get what you can for Justin Braun on expiring deals. Right, because you you're gonna eat half of JVR's right. cap to get value. You do it no, you do it and you you take what you get. And I think that Briere could be tasked with that, sure. Where I'm coming from where it doesn't make a difference is if the end goal here is in the next three weeks or month or whatever it may be that Chuck Fletcher just simply gets fired, then whether it happened last week or it happens in the, later this month is neither here nor there. That's Calling fair. people up and sending people down isn't making a difference on the roster right this second. Moving a guy to IR because he's hurt doesn't make a difference. It's that's that's not grand scheme of things. It still takes him out of the picture before you get to the trade deadline. I just wonder if the keys have been taken away from him. My well, my biggest worry is this. What if the decision is, okay, he's no longer the GM, but we're just going to sit there and say he's still the president of hockey operations oh, or he or he gets the team president role. This right? is the darkest timeline. The so, darkest so that, timeline. No, so that despite the fact that you might say, okay, Danny Briere is the general manager of the team now. Despite that fact, okay, and I, I asked this, and I'm throwing out some teams that you may not be as well-versed on that are around the city, so you may not know the names as well. I think right. you do, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's it's for sake of argument. For the record, if Chuck Fletcher becomes part of the brain trust, we're, we're retiring the podcast. I can't okay. do it. Any, well, let's just – hold on. Just let's. <laughs> okay. Anyway, go for it. If the Pittsburgh Penguins make a move, do you think that – you know when the press release comes out and all that stuff, it might say general manager Ron Hextall said – Brian Burke. But is Brian Burke the guy behind it? Brian or, or, Burke or, or at least rubber stamping the, every move. Or at least when you think of the overall construction of the group, do you think of Brian Burke's plan, Ron Hextall's part of the execution? <sighs> I think that has more to do with the specific personality of Brian Burke, to be honest. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, for example, uh, do you think Kelly McCrimmon's making the decisions, or is it, you know... McPhee? Right. Like yeah, how how involved is George McPhee? I understand where you're coming from. Um, but my point being, more people associate, like, more people would associate what the Pittsburgh Penguins roster looks like, the moves they make with Brian Burke's the president of hockey operations, more than, I think people that's go fair. to, because Brian Burke is a superior figure to Ron Hextall, just from. But I think historic, that's, again, that's personality, right. Well, personality, historical standpoint, like been around sure. longer, all that, right? It, it, when we okay, if the Phillies make a move in this baseball offseason, yeah, the when general manager make a move. <laughs> well, the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies is Sam Fold. Do you it's even not, know that? Like, it's would not you, still Ruben Amaro Jr. It, it's not. 
Okay. But, but would anybody even know that Sam Fold is the general manager, or does everybody just go to Dave Dombrowski did it because Dave Dombrowski's been to four like went with four other organizations, keeps going to World Series. That's the guy I know. He's the guy behind it, right? That's, that's fair. If the Sixers do something, Elton Brand is the general manager of the team, but Daryl Morey's the president of operations. And everybody sits there and goes, Daryl Morey's bringing in this guy from Houston. Dar like the Harden thing was Morey from Houston, I right? Think, I think president of basketball ops do more than president of hockey ops tend to do, just in general. Probably, but my point being, if you have a guy like Chuck Fletcher who's been around longer in the role and you say he's the president of the operation. He can pull rank whenever he wants. Not even can pull rank. People are still going to associate the move yeah. with him. Yep. They're going to sit there and say, well, Danny Breer's just stuck doing whatever he wants to do. So they did it really change anything? Right. Did it change anything other than the title? Like it doesn't make Danny it doesn't make Danny Breer the guy who's putting it together any more than he is today. Right. To a lot of people. Well, which is I, why that's that's why which is why that's the move that can't be made. But to to really put a bow on the whole thing because of the mixed messages. Right. Thing. Here's really my biggest problem when it comes to the overall vision slash not saying that word that they won't say that he's no. probably not allowed to say, as you alluded to the Tortorella isn't. He's right? definitely not allowed. No. You want to know what I really want to know at this point? And I know we you've already discussed it, but we've got, gotten to this point because. I'm going to come to a point this week. Wednesday, Wednesday's the day that it's going to really, I guess, officially be, if we, if we, if you will. But let's just go with it. Where I wrote a year ago about Elaine Vigneault getting fired. That the coach got fired, and the article that I wrote was titled, Vigneault's departure should only be a starting point for the Flyers. <laughs> and in the year since, that was on December 7th that I published that article. On January 26th, I published an article that came from a press conference that was takeaways from a press conference that involved Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott. Yep. That featured a lot of answers that everybody was kind of baffled by, right? God. Hold on. Yeah. March 11th, I published an article titled, Wrist Align and Extension Furthers Flyers Confusing Direction. March 20th, Return in Giroux Trade, the Result of Shortcomings by Flyers Management. Noticing a trend here. Um, May 4th, Flyers Offseason. Do they even have a plan? June 17th, right or wrong, Flyers going all in on aggressive offseason. June 21st, um, just I, so I put the flyer, like the word Flyers in every headline, SEO purposes. Fair enough. Um, so Flyers on management, hiring an outside agency, and future decisions. Ju July 14th, tear it down, free agency failing, show why Flyers need a front office rebuild. September 20th, plan of hope already backfires on Flyers. October 12th, on eve of Flyers season, expectations and anticipation at all-time low. November 27th, my most recent on this, GM change should only be the start of Flyers overhaul. In basically every month, and then I just wrote about the mixed messages this week between the two press conferences. Right. In every month of the last calendar year, just about, that's a total of 12 articles. So one per month, some spanned out more than others. Sure. I've written something about management. Had to address management in some way. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet in the three years leading up to that, not really a whole lot about management. You know, the last time I remember writing something that significantly? When Ron Hextall got fired? It was the weekend before because they lost to Toronto 6 nothing. Yep. And realistically, I wasn't writing about management. 
I was writing about management like as in you can't stand idle anymore. This coach isn't working out. That was still Dave Haxtall. And it's like, look. Was that, you, that was the Andreas Janssen hat trick game, right? Yep. Yeah. That, that, I, I refer to that as the Jim Jackson headset the reason, game. The reason, uh, the reason why I even wrote what I did after that is because I didn't watch like uh, – okay. This is not the first time I've done this. I'm going to do this again. I'm pulling out a classic John Tortorella line to an extent. Okay, because I, I remember how I kept pulling out the I have no idea yeah, yeah, line yeah. earlier. So my line from this one is, is that that night when they lost six, nothing, the Andreas Janssen hat trick game. Yeah. I didn't even watch the game after the first period. I didn't oh, even watch. No. Well, no. I mean, it was on. I was trying to cover the game, but I spent the rest of the game back and forthing it with fans on Twitter because that was more of a story at that given moment. And it was probably, than, it's probably more entertaining, too, to be honest. The biggest issue at this point, whether we continue to talk about management, whatever, blah, 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 the whole thing, because everybody wants to sit there and go, Chuck Fletcher has no clue what he's doing. He's delusional. Fire him. It doesn't mean it's a wrong statement, but it's not that simple, right? It obviously is not that simple. Right. Um, everybody's going to sit there and, and listen, I, I wanted to, I'm not saying I'm taking, I'm taking credit alone for it. I think that everybody who does what I've been doing the last few years has brought this on. There's some credit to be had for if I would have asked you in 2019, let's just go off of God, that. You're going to ask me of, something from the 12 months right before COVID. Oh, good luck. Okay. <laughs> in, no, because, well, because your answer is going to be probably be no. Okay. And it's okay. Did you know who Dave Scott was? Not really. No. Okay. Do you know how many people bring him up now? Because Too we, many for his sake, I'm sure. Because we keep talking about he's the well, he's the governor of the team. He's the acting ownership, right? For the record, is the correct thing to do. Okay. Now, I'm, again, something that I'm sure you knew, but maybe the common, maybe more of the common fan didn't. Because I'm, I'm talking to you, and you do the show with we sure. do the show, so you know a little more than the common person, I think. As well as multiple sim leagues, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that Comcast owned the team? Just a little, yeah. Okay. Did you know to To be fair, I've also known the Comcast owned the team since about nineteen ninety five or whenever. Well, okay, you know. fa- uh, not okay. I don't mean it like that. <laughs> I mean, were you ever calling out Comcast as much? Not really. No. Well, no, because there wasn't any need to. The, the team was still having success. Okay, but when the time came and you needed to, where was the like? Where could you turn oh. after after Ed Snyder passed away? Where could you turn? Comcast. To an extent. I, no, I mean, no, I mean. Everyone, it, there was, there was knowledge. I remember conversations happening when Ed Snyder passed about the humanity leaving the Flyers and the corporatization of it all. And Right, but in the early couple of years, you were still kind of going off of the, well, it's still the core group and it's, the coach may be yeah. wrong. Yeah, no, right? absolutely, absolutely. No, no, when the coach is the wrong answer. Then you right. look at the general manager. When the GM's the wrong answer, you're looking at, like, to be honest, you know who you were still looking at at that time? You were still looking at Paul Holmgren. Yep. Hey, Paul, what are you doing? Because he was still the president of hockey ops. <laughs> right. What are you doing? Why is this still a thing? Why are we not making any changes? Or better yet, we didn't feel the need that, that there was a change that should have been made. It was Ron Hextall has a process, but this coach ain't it. Get him out of there. If Ron Hextall would have fired Dave Hextall, there's a chance he might still be here. A I agree. chance. I agree. Potentially, I don't know that for sure and certain. Gr- granted, the reason why people, reason why he got fired was because the vision started to not line up in terms of 
it was it all of a sudden it was back to it's go time start bringing in guys right from, from all the stuff we've heard since and the tyrant stuff right it's it's hard to imagine he would still be here um just because we know how much the alumni hated him we know how much like we know how much he rankled with the front office like he he wasn't well liked right but i think there's a chance that the team would have been more successful and they wouldn't have had right. a choice. Okay, fair enough. But ultimately, the reason because we are one day removed. Remember, remember the part last week where it was, "Hey, by the way, that Saturday game was four years since Hextall got fired." Well, Saturday night when they lose three to two to the Devils, when John Tortorella has his first, "I'm not in, like you're asking me dumb questions. I'm out of here in 50 seconds." Press conference, right? That was four years to the day that Chuck Fletcher was officially hired. So Chuck Fletcher's had his job for four years. Yep, as we stand, as we speak with it, and well, I certainly don't think he makes it to five. I I hear <laughs> you. Beyond that, just just hear me out. I believe first the two things that I've learned or the two takeaways I've had from the past week or so from the time I wrote the okay Chuck Fletcher, everybody's chanting Chuck fire Fletcher, but that's only the beginning of this. Like that should be the starting point. There's more to be done beyond that because it's not just him. It's it's everybody else that sits next to him. It's, you know, we, it, it continues to be with maybe the slight exception of Danny Briere in an interim role. Try him out. See if you like him, you know, kind of thing. There's not much more that should stick around. Right. Right. And the amount of people that are sitting here talking about that will talk about Dave Scott doesn't know hockey, so he shouldn't be in charge of any of this. He needs to be removed. Comcast should sell blah, blah, blah. Right. The amount of people that say that, it shows how much, because I remember going on the air and talking about, okay, like, because who runs the fly? Like, I got asked that question. It was directly asked, who runs the Flyers? And I say, okay, the guy's name is Dave Scott. And, and this was in 20, this was like April of 2021. Right. We're nearly two years down the line from that point. And we're three. Se- and we two- know Dave Scott's name And now. we're two seasons. And people know who Dave Scott is now. And people, because the, d- the day I went on air and said that to, you know, when I go on Mike Gill's show on 97.3. Mike Gill sat there, and even his response when I said the name Dave Scott as I started to explain who he was, was I wouldn't be able to pick Dave Scott out of a lineup. Oh, no, me neither. He's a boring right? executive. Yeah, like, I, he, I know what he looks like, but if oh, you put, now him, in, people, yeah, but but now if you put him in a lineup of similarly looking men, I wouldn't be able to tell. But now people do because that tweet or that meme, of, if you want to call it a meme, it's not really a meme with any wording on it, but this picture of him sitting comfortably in the lounge chair in the top of the Wells Fargo Center when the remodeling was done, right? Yep. That floats around. People know who Dave Scott is now, and people know that Comcast has their hands still all over this thing, and that the concept is when a business owns the franchise, that it's it. What is it about at that point? Yep. You're just it's, it's another just business. It's another business entity that as long as it performs, it's okay, right? I have never in my life seen a fan base. I'm sorry to cut you off here. I have never seen in my life a fan base this dedicated to getting a rebuild. And that's what we're upset about is that sure. we're not getting the rebuild. That's the crazy part. And we don't. We don't want to win. We want to suck. <laughs> And do you know what the real big thing about this is, though, too, when it comes to the rebuild thing? Because it's obvious that that's where they are, right? right? I want you to tell me, and go. And the standings right now is a great, or the standings or recent playoffs is a great reminder of why this is, uh, uh, this should be a topic of conversation. Can you find me a team that is above that word, is above going that down that path? 
are the New Jersey Devils. Were the New Jersey Devils above going down that road? No, they did it. Were the Toronto Maple Leafs above going down that road? They did it. Boston didn't do it. No, but Boston knows it's possibly inevitable. And if it, Boston's and if looking it, forward to doing it, right? Boston did one thing this year, and so far it has worked like a charm. And what Boston did this year was we're taking one more shot. Come yep. back, Bergeron. Come back, Krejci. Oh, this is the last dance. Let's give it one more go. And so far, hell if it ain't working. Vegas right? hasn't done it, but they've only existed for five years. Right. Vegas hasn't had to do the same thing with Seattle. Seattle's a top five team, by the way. And quite frankly, Seattle did do it. Right. Last year was Seattle doing it. To an, to an extent, sure. Yeah. Um, was it above the Colorado Avalanche to go down that road? Oh, they certainly did it. <laughs> okay. And I want to go – again, I go back to – I know I'm repeating what I just said, but then I'm going to say two more, and I'm going to hammer home the point. Was it above the Toronto Maple Leafs to do this? No, they did it. Okay. Was it above the Detroit Red Wings to do it? Uh, they're just coming out of it. Was it above the New York Rangers to send a letter that says we're doing it? No. I. Quite frankly, it's actually absurd that the Flyers have never – Really okay. rebuilt. Is it is it currently above the Chicago Blackhawks to put nope. the roster that they have out there and say this is what we're doing? Even the Montreal Canadiens did it. So why is every team that's been around for near a hundred years able to sit there and say, you know what, we got to fess up that it's time, we got to rebuild? Why can't so why can't the Philadelphia Flyers after fifty years say we're rebuilding it? Because I believe why are they. All because I believe all those teams, maybe with the exception of the Rangers, mm-hmm. are owned by people and families as opposed to corporations. Um, I'm willing I'd to have put to that dig. into it. I'd I'm have to, to dig deeper. Because I think Toronto is actually like an entertainment group. Uh, MLSE, that's fair. That is fair. That one is, that's valid. And Toronto was never above, hey, listen, we should go out there and try to be a, oh. ba- a bad team. Colorado, uh, Colorado is also owned by a group, I believe, too. Okay. Um, well, like the nice, thrown by groups now. It's the way it goes. The nice thing about where the Flyers are at is whether they want to be or not, they're just kind of going to be bad. <laughs> so well, we're going to get our results whether we want to or not. Right. To put a bow on the episode for this week, basically, yes. if you thought it was impossible that they would end up at the bottom, given that the, given where the, given the other teams, right? That like, oh, Columbus might not be able to climb out of this or Chicago or whatever. The only team that's in your way of the last place spot, is, as far as I'm concerned, is Anaheim. Because every other team, every other team has games in hand or is within a point of view. Quite frankly, they three, well, they're all within three. If the league is rigged and you want to give the Flyers four hundred national games every year, that's fine. Can you rig a draft lottery for us, please? Even Connor? if you, even if you don't, <laughs> even if you don't get Bedard, did you see the highlights of Fantilli? Yeah, Fantilli, Mitchkov. Like it's a good draft to get a top three pick. Please don't bump us to fifth, for the love of God. Well, they can if they finish last. I know. Well, not if they finish second to last. <laughs> Second to last, they can only bump him to fourth. Oh, okay. Oh, I forgot about it's, that. It's right, two drawings right, right. now, not three. So, right, so, right, right. so if you finish last, you're getting a top three. If you finish second, you have a as good of a you have a seventy five percent chance of coming away with a top three. We love that. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for the show. We're gonna end a lot of shows with well, the draft pick. Um, <laughs> so every meantime, show, every show we finish from here on out, we should look at the bottom of the standings and see how close they are. Pretty much, um, we should. Right now, they are 27th, six points from the bottom. They are one one point from 28th and three from 29th, 30th, and 31st. That's where I'm going. All right. 
Well, we'll be back next week for an update on that. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. You can find the show anywhere you find your podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportsTalkPhilly.com. I think we're on Pandora, too. Uh, Amazon Music, Amazon Podcasts, whatever they are. Um, find us wherever you want, and uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, we'll see you.